Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Cody on this Victory Monday. How are you doing today, Cody? Oh, it is a Victory Monday, man. I feel like I've just slept my entire life away this past week with COVID and then with everything else. I've just been just been napping here and there <laughs> and everywhere. But with that being said, I am uh, I am in a good mood. I am happy. You know, Pittsburgh won this week uh, in a game that was both emotional and stressful and all the all the above. Um, with it being the game, you know, remembering Franco Harris, his his wife was on the field at halftime, all this stuff. It was just a crazy thing um, and emotional and sad and everything else. But no, it's good. Christmas was yesterday, James. How are you? Merry Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas, sir. Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Got to see all the family running all over town and whatnot. And uh, nice to kind of spend some downtime. So back at it tomorrow. Short work week for me for the next two weeks. And I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm I'm curious who's going to be running routes for you guys. We'll talk about that off the thing. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, we're going to talk about this Ra Las Vegas Raiders and Pittsburgh Steelers game. Steelers and actives before the game, Mason Rudolph, Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds wasn't completely inactive, apparently, because he got a penalty. Um, <laughs> talk about that later. Uh, Kendrick Green, Jonathan Marshall, and Mark Robinson, all the inactives before the game. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and hop right into this game. Kenny Pickett, per usual, uh, played pretty well unfortunately one interception yeah. early on uh but other than that for the most part play had a had a decent game i won't say it was his best um but he he played well and i thought no. especially that last drive was mm -hmm. was big so kenny clutch man just like we saw in the preseason every time he got an opportunity in the preseason in a two-minute drill or an end of the the half or end of the game situation he took it right down the field and they scored and you figured okay well the competition probably isn't that good mm -hmm. uh can he replicate it in the regular season well this was his third career game winning drive already and he's only played uh what the little over half of a season in his rookie season he's got three game winning drives already uh so pretty cool i think uh kenny was pretty calm and collected uh you'd see an even stronger performance if it weren't for a couple of key drops one by pat fryermuth one by deontay johnson uh but overall those were the only glaring ones of the whole night i thought he was a pretty accurate uh decision maker throughout the night uh pretty crisp with his decisions uh and then on that very last play that that touchdown pass to pickens or the last play of that drive uh man just a tremendous job of looking off the safety understanding he had two deep safeties knowing right where that weakness was going to be throwing it right down the seam uh george pickens being on the same page with him identifying the same exact thing um, these two guys are maturing together in a fashion that could be extremely favorable for Pittsburgh, man. Yeah, I'm I was just curious to look up the most game-winning drives in uh, the NFL by a rookie quarterback. And uh, there's two quarterbacks that lead that. Uh, and the number is actually way higher than I expected it to be. Uh, 13. <laughs> 13. 13. 13. By a rookie, the rookie season. Apparently, that's what it looks like. Uh, and wow. the 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 two at top are Dak Prescott and Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> so I don't. That may not. That's so weird. He won. Ben won thirteen games his rookie year. Were they all 
comeback drives. Well, was that the year they went 15 and one? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess with 15 wins, you got a chance for a lot of, a lot of, uh, fourth yeah, quarter says, or game winning drives. I mean, says, they're not necessarily all come from behind at that point. They're true. just game winners. That's true. It says most game winning in the regular season drives by rookie quarterback since 1990. Um, and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson are on there with 11. Joe Flacco's on there with 11. Matt Ryan with 11. I don't know. That's weird. I'll have to look at it. I'll have to look into that more because that seems, that <laughs> yeah. seems questionable, but yeah, it seems pretty high. You're right. <laughs> A lot of 11s, 10s, 9s, 8s, 7s. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But anyways, so again, uh, Kenny came in, did the same thing he, we saw him do in the po- or in the preseason like we talked about. Uh, the running game was a little bit more stagnant than I think the week before. Um, it had its moments. Najee had his moments. Um, Jalen Warren again had his moments. He broke off a 13-yard run. The, the biggest run of the game was the last play of the game, pretty much, with Connor Hayward taking it the 21 yards for the first down and sealing the deal, which was just fantastic. Um, uh, but we did see Derek Watt have his first failed first down conversion attempt, which was unfortunate. Yeah, which to is see. totally Gentry's fault, by the way. <laughs> I'm um, very angry. I knew you were going to say something. In that block. Yeah. Completely whiffed on his block of Max Crosby, and Crosby hits Derek Watt well behind the line of scrimmage. He had no chance on that one. Yeah. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, but again, running game, I thought, a little bit more stagnant. I don't want to say it was bad. I don't want to say anything like that. I don't think it was horrible. Um, but when you look and see Najee's numbers, I don't think it was more like the one week where his numbers got skewed because of late in the game. I felt like he had a couple good runs here and there. The on average, the runs weren't as um, positive as we'd like them to be, which might have been yeah. because of blocking, in all honesty. I think this is a, a little bit of an example of difference of an NFL roster from one week to another, too. Uh, with the, the Oakland Raiders on the inside, they had a couple of really big nose tackles. Uh, or defensive tackles, whatever you want to call them, in the run game. Uh, and it was really difficult for our interior guys to move them. Uh, they had a tough time driving them backwards. As there were last week against the Panthers, you saw uh, the left side with uh, with Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore just absolutely crushing uh, the defensive linemen that they went against, one of which being Brian Burns on a regular basis. They were just folding them backwards. Well, Burns a little bit lighter of a guy, you know, probably 255, 260. Yep. You put 330-pound Dan Moore on him, and that's his specialty is run blocking. So uh, you really saw that. They weren't able to really fold guys back this week as easily, uh, but they held their own, and they kept Kenny upright, man. Uh, and I feel like that is something that can't be stressed enough uh, when you talk about the pass rushing capabilities of these Oakland Raider defensive ends. They were highly talented pass rushers, like Max Crosby, one of the leaders in the league the last few years. Uh, and he didn't get after Kenny this game. Uh, he might have beaten the offensive linemen and tight ends a few times against the run. Uh, that was a major issue this this week as far as keeping those outside guys blocked in the running game. Uh, but wasn't really much of an issue for the offensive tackles. A, a core four and more held their own in this game. Yeah, and you you love seeing that with what we've seen out of Dan Moore all year. It was very rough consistently, and pretty much every day or every game we were talking about how Dan Moore was getting beat off the line or 
uh, just yeah. bullied around the outside or whatever it was. But I, it's nice to see him. I think this is two back-to-back games for him that were fairly nice. So that's that's good. That's trending in the right direction. Uh, we talked about the offensive line, the receiver, the receiving core in this game. Couple miscues here and there. Overall, not a bad game. Pat Fryermuth had, I think, one of his biggest games with seven receptions for 66 yards um, on eight targets. Deontay Johnson, 64 yards on five catches. And then George Pickens, uh, 57 yards for five catches. Both him and Deontay averaging over 10 yards per reception, which is fantastic. We like to see that. I Deontay's doing a better job of catching the ball and running in the right direction, which is fantastic. To Correct. See. Um, <laughs> He had still one. hasn't figured out what that big painted thing at the end of the field is yet. But, it's true, uh, he hasn't yet. He, he's got two weeks to figure out that that yellow is a good thing and he should run towards it. Does, how many touchdowns does he have in the year? Any? Zero, zero. He is in the process of setting an NFL record for most catches in a season without a touchdown. Wow. I think he actually surpassed the previous number, but obviously there's a uh, a possibility in the last two weeks he could get a touchdown. Yeah. But uh I'm looking the way he's playing so far, it's not a good possibility. I'm looking it up while you talk. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, the number I think was like 75 was the previous record, and he's at like 82 catches on the season or something like that. Oh uh, so man, he's he's doing his he's doing his work as far as getting open, catching the ball, getting some first downs. I'm actually happy with what I've seen from Deontay the last few weeks. Uh, he's definitely made some big strides in the right direction to the point where I'm actually okay with him coming back next season. And I was not there three or four weeks ago. I was ready for him to just be straight up cut and forget about it. And who cares about what we lose uh, as far as cap space on it. Uh, but he's really trending in the right direction and, and was responsible for, I want to say three or four first downs on his first three or four catches. Uh, almost every single one of them was converting a first down and moving the sticks. Uh, so becoming a more reliable target, you know, more reliable first down yeah. achiever. He's Sean Johnson, 93. 93 catches in a season. Oh, wait, no. Excuse me. It was, he went 92, 92 without a uh, touchdown. And then caught one in the last caught one. one in one of the last games. Yeah. I don't see what the, what all the numbers are for sure. Uh, the most yards in a season is 963 in 1991 by Al Toon without a touchdown. And Deontay Johnson That's is 809. <laughs> yeah, he's getting close to that one, too. He's getting real close. <laughs> he might break a couple of them this season, which is not what he's looking for, I'm sure. But no. that was reflected in the Pro Bowl voting. So, uh, yep. Pat, Pat Fryermuth, real quick before we move off of the receiving yeah. group here. Um, that last drive was so heavily Pat Fryermuth. Uh, and it just speaks volumes to his ability to uh, adapt when a play is breaking down, find the open area, and then go get extra yards after the catch as well. Drag people. Uh, he's, yeah, so skilled at breaking tackles and dragging people for extra yards. It's just really incredible. For a guy who looks kind of underwhelming in his build, I swear like 80% of his muscles are in his legs because uh, the dude is so good at getting extra yards after contact. And it's not because he's stiff-arming people to hell like Najee does. It's just because he's running through them, and I absolutely love to see it. Uh, also, Najee Harris receiving, I thought it was an extremely strong performance, receiving the ball, uh, hurtling defenders after the catch, uh, and again, breaking tackles, getting extra yards. 
uh, in helping move the sticks. I feel like his impact in the receiving game was almost larger than it was in the rushing game in this game. Uh, so nice to see him be able to get involved regardless of how uh, he's making an impact in the game and helping move the sticks and keeping drives going. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then we look at the defensive side of the ball here and talk about the defensive front. Uh, you know, Tyson Alualu had a quiet game. Cam Hayward had a great game, two sacks, uh, seven Incredible. total tackles, a pass break or a pass defended. Uh, he's getting up there. Larry Ogunjobi had four tackles. Montrevious Adams had three tackles. I, I felt like a lot of the guys on that defensive front were getting involved. Uh, and it was nice to see that a little bit more pressure. Um, again, you look at their rushing stats. Um, we didn't even allow, I don't think we allowed 50 yards out of a rusher, which was great because Josh Jacobs had been so, you know, consistently a, a good running back. I think total we allowed 50 yards because I think Derek Carr had just enough to get them over 50, but 44 yards on 15 attempts with a 2.9 average for Josh Jacobs. Holding him to that was fantastic. So yeah. I'll take that out of our defensive front any day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, really nice job as far as getting pressure on the quarterback from Cam Hayward. Uh, Alex Highsmith got involved, got a really nice sack on the game. Uh, so three more sacks on the season helps out the total, but they're not going to end up catching the uh, sack leader who uh, already has 61 sacks on the season. That's Damn. your Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Nobody's catching them this year. They're taking the crown. But uh, hopefully this is something that Pittsburgh can build on, uh, being that their top three sack getters will be returning next year. Uh, so hopefully they can build off of that and then uh, insert some more guys that can help uh, uh, just contribute to that sack total. Robert Spillane, big game, 12 tackles. He was all over the place making plays. Yeah. Uh, so – Nice to see him so well involved. The other two linebackers, I thought, a little bit more quiet um, than he was. But nice performance uh, from Mr. Spillane. And the really the only big negative performance that I saw on the defense, I felt, was Trey Norwood. He just had a very rough game uh, and probably halfway through ended up getting benched for Elijah Riley, who just got promoted off of the practice squad. Um, elevated, I should say. It was just an elevation due to the Terrell Edmonds hamstring injury. Uh, and, and honestly, what we saw once he was removed from the game was that the bleeding stopped. Uh, so I don't know how much of that was necessarily Elijah Riley making fantastic plays. I didn't necessarily see him getting involved a lot. Uh, but you know what? I didn't see him missing tackles and getting smoked. <laughs> sometimes that's the the bigger sign. Sometimes when your your jersey number is not being called and uh, when you're not being noticed, it's actually an example of you doing a pretty good job. So yeah, uh, that might be noteworthy for next season. As Trey Norwood, I feel has struggled as a safety this season. Uh, I almost feel like the season previous when he was used a little bit as a slot corner was a little better fit for him. So. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Pittsburgh does in the offseason with Trey Norwood if they continue focusing on him being a backup free safety or if they attempt to just convert him all the way back to, to corner and use him as like a slot corner, backup corner. Yeah, again, he was a seventh-round pick in 2021. Um, so we'll see. I, at this point, I'm not saying he'll stay on the team in one way, shape, or form more than likely. Um, but at some point, you got to get a guy in there who's going to be able to do something. And we don't have, we talked about it. We don't have that number one shutdown corner yet. And Trey Norwood isn't going to be the answer. Correct. So 
He's yeah, he's not going to be the answer there. He's his best case scenario on defense is as a slot uh, nickel corner. Yeah. Uh, I think personally, it doesn't look like he has the the understanding of the angles to be playing safety. He certainly won't be playing strong safety for you. He's way too small. He's not a big enough thumper for that. Um, maybe the Marcus Allen role in the future is back on punt coverage. I know they tried it in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, this season didn't work out for him, uh, but maybe with another year of weightlifting, he can get a little bit bigger and stronger and develop into that role. But uh, you need some backup safeties that can play safety well also. And, and that's not a strong suit of, of Miles Killebrew also. So no. at some point in time, these backup safeties do need to be good, decent safeties. Yep. So we will see what happens with that. We'll keep an eye on that moving into the off season. Um, but before we go too far, I want to fit. I mean, I feel like we talked a little bit about the linebackers. TJ Watt had a quieter game. Um, yeah. Very you know, stout against the run though. Very yes. stout. Alex Smith had the one and the other sack you talked about putting a, a three on the day, like you said. Um, but the secondary came out and performed very well, in my opinion, other than the Trey Norwood and other than Terrell Edmonds, yeah. not, even, not even being suited up and getting a penalty. Um, yeah. Arthur Mollette had one interception, which was Game uh, an impressive too, interception at yeah. that. Uh, right after Kenny Pickett's interception. So it took the momentum right back. Yep. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had a nice interception as well. Both of those were just right place, right time. Um, yeah. Neither one was necessarily them doing anything spectacular, uh, but both balls were tipped, and then they both made a good plays on the ball after that. And then the, I think the most impressive one of all was Cam Sutton's one to basically seal the deal. Um, Incredible catch. Incredible pick. I couldn't believe it. I was I was shook. I had an idea it was coming because Mr. James here called me. Uh <laughs> In the middle of the in the middle of the play, I'm like the ball's in Aaron James is calling. I was like, oh no, this is either a touchdown or this is because I'm always behind you a little bit. <laughs> I was worried, and then I saw him come down with it. I was like, all right, cool. That's that's a great way to end that game. Um, yeah, but very impressive. Did catch. you see the the conspiracy theorists around number 32 on that play? Yeah, that he threw the ball with exactly 32 seconds on the clock, and Cam Sutton caught the ball at the 32 yard line. Yep. I love it. And then Pitt, and <laughs> then it. and then uh the Raiders putted us the ball back on that game winning drive with 302 left on the on the clock. Yeah. Yeah, Franco was helping, man. There oh, was yeah. no doubt about it. Franco was there. Franco said you guys ain't losing to these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and I got to before we before we completely wrap up our our game recap here. I got to say that the call on the very last drive of the end around to Connor Hayward was absolutely brilliant. Perfectly blocked up and executed. You have to have that, Uh, but absolutely perfect call. And again, another example of a player showing his IQ. Uh, Connor Hayward could have easily gotten another 10, 15 yards running on that play, uh, but he chose to hug the ground uh, and force the end of the game. Yep. Uh, if he would have gone, continued getting more yards, the defender might have forced him out of bounds. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, they wouldn't have had to use a timeout on that down. It could have possibly given him the ball back. Uh, so by doing what he did and hugging the ground after getting 21 yards, uh, it forced a Steelers win. So fantastic as far as his uh, ability to understand the situation of the game. Uh, largely impacted by... A, the rookie class, who's having a tremendous season, yep. uh, and the Hayward brothers. Yep. 
Connor sealed the deal after Cam came out with the big 32 flag in the beginning. So, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, and and again, like we stated previously, Cam played his behind off, man. Uh, he was just constantly disruptive in this game. Two sacks. He had pressure on that play where the interception by Cam Sutton at the end there. Uh, just a, a tremendous game by him. So, uh, pretty awesome performance. Uh, Chris Boswell, hopefully we'll see a better performance out of him in the last two weeks. Yep. Uh, he struggled in this one, missing two field goals on the night, uh, but also making two. Uh, they could have won the game off of just those made field goals had he made all of his, his field goal attempts. So, definitely something that's got to be cleaned up. You expect a closer game uh, out of the Ravens uh, and then possibly out of the Browns the last week as well. So, uh, hopefully he's able to to correct those issues. Uh, I didn't think Presley Harvin had a bad game. I thought he was pretty decent. No, yeah, decent. He had one inside the 20, 46.7 average on three punts. Not horrible. Benny Snell had one kick return for 15 yards. Steven Sims, one punt return for nine yards. Nothing too crazy other than those th- uh, out of those two guys. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up the breakdown of the Raiders-Steelers game from Christmas Eve. And again, we can't thank you guys enough for listening and being part of the Steelers by the Lake family. So again, be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're not even close to done. You're wrapping it up. We're not done. You're right. I completely <laughs> forgot about the big, the two other things. Well, we got some more news here. Sorry, folks. There's three other things. Three other things. There's three. There's three. Number oh, so one. The Steelers, Steelers-Ravens game has been flexed to the Sunday night game. No longer a one o'clock kickoff. Because of the importance of the game, this Which will now great. be your Sunday night game. Uh, so is that one make in sure Baltimore? You check that out. We'll have another. What's that? Is that one in Baltimore? I think the last two games are actually uh, in Pittsburgh. I okay. think we're at home last two. I'm double checking um, right now. I'll try and pull it up here while we're talking about that. Uh, but yeah, very important. The season on the line. Uh, and now uh, Pittsburgh. No, is that at Baltimore? You're at right. At Baltimore. Uh, yep. That one is in Baltimore. Uh, so. Um, the NFL realizing the magnitude of the situation and the fact that the Steelers will still be in it. Uh, Baltimore's already sealed the spot, uh, but Pittsburgh has a, a pretty serious record of success uh, against one Lamar Jackson, and it looks like he's going to be healthy to play for the game. Uh, so that's an important note there. Marcus Allen apparently blew out a bicep uh, during that game. Uh, He's had surgery on that already, so look for him to have a corresponding move of being placed on the injured reserve. Uh, We'll see who Pittsburgh brings up on that. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it's Elijah Riley full-time. If they like him that much, that'll allow you to protect him uh, going forward, and you have plenty of uh, middle linebackers, so that's not an issue. Uh, And then Josh Jackson, who was previously released by the Steelers in order to make room for Elijah Riley, uh, was claimed by the Cardinals. So Pittsburgh West gets another Pittsburgh player. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, imagine that. Trace McSorley got the start in uh, in Arizona yesterday. I don't know if you saw it against Tom Brady. I did. I did see that. Interesting choice. Just kidding. <laughs> he almost won too, man. He almost got the dub. He almost did. I'm happy he didn't. Nope, that's beside the point. <laughs> um, and then the last news we have, correct? There's one more. Uh, Josh no, Jackson was the last one. I Josh had Jackson movie. being picked up was yeah. the last one. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. <laughs> um, we are excited again. Two more weeks of football for at minimum for Pittsburgh. There's a chance of more. We'll see how the playoff pictures roll out and everything. Uh, we are rooting against the, we're rooting for the Colts tonight, correct? 
Yes, absolutely. We're Rooting. go Colts tonight. Go Colts tonight and then go any team facing the Dolphins the rest of the way. Any team facing the Chargers the rest of the way, pretty much. So we'll see. Yeah, it sounds like the the Dolphins might be without Tua too as he enters concussion protocol again. Yeah, third time on the season. So we'll see what happens there. Not good. Not good. Uh, So again, thank you guys so much for listening or watching. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.